my, uh, my, my presentation created a certain amount of confusion, I have to admit, this go around. Uh, I titled this The Gospel in Three Days, and I am going to do uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday a Passion Week. So here on Wednesday, I'm doing Good Friday. And tomorrow, on Thursday, I'm doing Quiet Saturday. And then on Friday, I will be doing Resurrection Sunday. Everybody following here? Yeah. Uh, so I have to do a little uh, you know, front-end loading in this way. Um, I, am, I am going to focus uh, almost entirely today on Friday. Uh, and that means a lot. I, I promise you, there is some good news on Friday, too. Uh, but the really good news happens on Sunday. So you have to be a little bit patient. I want to make the resurrection move. I just don't want to make it today. Uh, because one, one of the problems in the church is we don't quite believe Jesus died. We think he sort of died. And it, it is crucial to the story that he died. Otherwise, the resurrection doesn't mean quite uh, the same thing. Uh, now, obviously, the day that I'm most vulnerable is uh, tomorrow when I'm doing Saturday because Scripture says virtually nothing about Saturday. Oh, but that's interesting, right? Uh, there's a day in there where all the disciples can do is wait. And it turns out waiting is going to be a crucial category for Christian faith. Because guess what you're doing right now? So uh, that's, that's kind of what I want to do uh, over these uh, three days. And I'm sure it will come as a uh, great shock to you. Uh, I actually have some visual aids today. Uh, so don't get used to it. There is nothing tomorrow uh, or, or the next day. Uh, I, I will be uh, showing you some, some pictures as I go along. Uh, I'm going to take you on a journey. I'm going to lead you into uh, some passages of Scripture and uh, take with utter seriousness uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, the journey. Uh, a few years ago, I decided to send in my colleague Jeff Shore's class on the classics of Christian spirituality. Uh, Jeff's a world-class church historian and knows lots about that stuff. And I have read a great deal of the material that they were reading in that class. I hadn't read it all. There, there were some things I hadn't read. And there's something about reading texts you've read before in community with, with young, uh, eager uh, people that sometimes makes you hear them in a different way. And as I'm sitting in this class, one of the things I'm, I'm just struck by is all of these uh, classic Christian spiritual writings have this very visceral relationship with the passion of the Christ. And now, I have a relationship with it, but mine has always seemed to be to me more intellectual uh, than visceral. And the most extreme expression of that is with uh, Francis of Assisi, when the stigmata of Jesus appeared on his hands and feet. Uh, now, 
I, I know that uh, you know people tell those kind of stories about the saints all the time, and I have absolutely nothing invested today in whether you believe that story or not. I have nothing invested in it. I would merely point out that outside of Scripture, it is probably the best attested Christian miracle. A lot of evidence on this one. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, well, okay, the last thing I want is oozing sores on my hands and feet. <laughs> I want a slightly less visceral relationship <laughs> with the cross of Christ. But what is clear to me is they know something I don't. And I want to know what they know. And so I asked Jeff, okay, what do I, uh, what do, I do here? this quest. And uh, like all good scholars, he said, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> it's a pretty personal quest, actually. Um, and so um, I, I have uh, sort of made my living uh, with words. Uh, I love words. Um, uh, I don't read the dictionary, but I like to read writers who have. Um, and uh, words have been very important to me in my relationship with the passion of Christ. Uh, theologically, words in some cases, but far more often, the poetry of hymns. That's the kind of words that more often move me. I thought, okay, words, 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 words. I've, I've lived so long in the world of words. Is there someplace else to go? Uh, and so I start to talk to my colleague, art professor, Dan DeGray, who starts to introduce me to art. Now, I have to do a side road here for a minute. Way back when uh, I originally went to Harding in 1976, it was possible to take these tests called CLEPT tests to test out of some classes. And uh, I, I come from very modest means and anything we could do to save money. So I took the CLEPT test and I, I tested out of a, of a year of college. Uh, what I really did was test out of a year of my uh, education. because I, I tested out of art appreciation. And the only question about art that I remember on the cleft test was a picture of King Kong and asking if you could identify it. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets you out of art appreciation. <laughs> and so in, in terms of my experience of uh, art, I, I, I had a little. Uh, what I did know is that most of the passion art I had seen was at best kitschy uh, and at worst horrible. Uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross looking like he's just gone to the beauty shop. Quietly presiding over the world. 
very dodgy. See? <laughs> what, 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 what do I do? What, 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 do I point the string? Where do I point?
just saying to all the Old Testament scholars who want to save me, that's not what was originally mouth. I know. That's what it's about now. God has revealed this deeper, more profound meaning of this text. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. As I uh, read uh, that passage, uh, it sent me starting to the New Testament uh, to see where this image of the Lamb of God is picked up over and over again. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 29 through 36, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Uh, Acts 8.32 that I've mentioned, here's the Ethiopian reading uh, the Isaiah passage about the Lamb of God. Um, 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 20, the, the precious uh, Lamb of God. It is uh, a theme that is continually picked up. So, um, I'm thinking about this, and um, the problem is, I don't get it. I am so separated from that world. I don't get it. I get it with my head, but I don't get it. 
didn't grow up uh, hunting. Uh, I've never killed a mammal unless you count a mouse. And that, that was sort of a drone strike. Um, I don't get what sacrifice, not the world, but the rest of us. So I'm talking to another one of my colleagues about this, and uh, I'm going to put uh, this much more bluntly than he did. He's a very kind person, but this is the Harris blunt interpretation of what he said. So you're just going to talk about this. So he wants to. We could take a step towards understanding. He's right. And so I brought a lamp. Uh, I have a, another uh, friend who um, he, he's kind of that new generation of people who think that if you put And I tried to explain to him uh, what I wanted to do, and he understood it uh, perfectly. And so uh, I bought a lamb and put it out on his uh, coffee table. And uh, of course, the lamb was unbearably cheap. They all are. <laughs> uh, you'll notice that my lamb is not a lamb without blemish. Without blemish are extremely expensive. We're <laughs> <laughs> beyond my capacity. So my lamb has a cute white body and a black head. You can't quite see it, but he's got this brown kind of fringe going down uh, the back of his head. And um, so I went out there the day that uh, my lamb arrived. Meet him. Uh, I did give him a name. Uh, Jesus seemed too much little. Uh, I couldn't go there, and so uh, I named my lamb uh, Jesse. And this is Jesse. And uh, the first time I met my lamb, uh, he was extremely skittish. He wouldn't let me get anywhere uh, near him. It turns out he had a hard time making friends and wasn't very popular with the other goats around. <laughs> Altogether appropriate. <laughs> and, uh, when I'm out there, uh, me, uh, Jesse, my, my, my friend Jeremy's son is out there with us. I think probably two years old. And uh, whenever Jesse would say, Bah, Abe would say, Bah. I thought, okay, my lamb won't have anything to do with me because two-year-old is on speaking terms. <laughs> so I go back uh, in a couple of weeks uh, to see uh, Jesse again. And uh, I pray some prayers over Jesse and I not uh, share those uh, 
and I'm not ready to do that today. So the third time I go out to give, I go out to give. And we're, I, I had talked with Jeremy before, and I said, Jeremy, there's still your animals out there. How do you do it? Deeply humane person, and he said, "Not like you." And I said, "Okay, I've got to get closer than that." And he said, "Well, there's a there's a Middle Eastern guy out there who does halal sacrifice. I think he can tell us how to do it." Jesse this last time, and I'm out there for, for quite a while, uh, 20 or 30 minutes, and, and finally I realize that uh, Jeremy is waiting for me to say, okay, I'm ready. Uh, so I, I was, uh, Van the artist is also with me. Uh, so the moment comes, I'm standing over uh, Jesse, and I, I promise I won't show you more than you can, uh, more than you can deal with. I'll show you one more, but it's me uh, standing over Jesse with the knife in my hand, and I've got to cut his throat. And I'm standing over uh, Jesse, as you see, and he's not bleeding. He's not, he's not making any sounds, nor was he really trying to get away. It's like a little bit of fog. Okay, you get it? Yes. Let it go. So now I don't. Look at Jeremy and I said, Do you want to guide my hand? And he looks at me and says, One word. No. Nothing else. Just the name. And
I'm here. I'm not going to die alone. They say it's me. We're not going to waste you. We're going to eat you. But he's glassy eyed. He's going to die alone. At some point, uh, Jeremy disappears, and when he reappears, he has a sermon in his hand and says, you look like you could use a drink. <laughs> True or 
So we poured it into the top of the thermos and I drank and Ron burned good. <laughs> and I passed it to Dan. He drinks. He gives it to Jeremy. He drinks. All of a sudden, the two of us. Of tears and 
I don't get really tired of it. But I get annoyed with it after a while. I want to show you one other piece of art. Um, it's the Lamb of God in his Antiochian. Uh, all the pictures of the crucifixion, this is uh, the one I, I like the best. Uh, the artist here is a Russian uh, artist, and a bulldozer Russian artist who did religious art. It's often stunning. Uh, his name is Nikolai Gay, G-E, for those of you who are taking notes. I think Gay is the correct pronunciation. Pentacle of the crucifixion. And um, one of the things uh, that I like about art is uh, art makes you work.
This wasn't the electric chair or a poison injection whose intention is to kill people as, um, as non-violently as you can. Violence and the humiliation was the point. The Lamb of God. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon. And they forced him to carry a cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we'll believe him. He trusts in God, let God rescue him now, if he wants him, for he says, I'm the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults. sixth hour until the ninth. Darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, got a sponge, and filled it with wine, vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to the rest said, now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared in centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, surely he is the Son of God.
sign. It's the symbol of the guilt that on my own I cannot take away. I need a Savior. I need a Lamb of God who can take away the sins of the world. So, lest I leave you just there. I'm having a dream. And in my dream, I'm dead. But dead isn't quite as bad as people make it out to be. My dreams are sad. My dream, I want the dream to be sad. <laughs> like this. White body, black head, brown body. Uh, but Jesse has brought reinforcements. There's a lion with Jesse. But I feel no threat. And in front of the lion and a lamb, there's a little child. A little blonde-haired child. That looks remarkable. Lord, before all ages.